Hello, my name is Alan Doherty, and I'm so glad you could join us today for our podcast on preventive health and safety. Today, we're going to be talking about what I feel is the core of all the things that pertain to preventive health and safety, and that is risk. Now, when we talk about risk and our obligations around risk, I got to mention right up front a disclaimer we're never going to be able to totally eradicate risk. I mean, you think about it for a minute. Uh, even the safest people will get involved occasionally in accidents. And even the most health-conscious people will have heart attacks, have cancer, and have other medical conditions. It's just a part of life. We can't totally eradicate risk. There's just a, a, a certain amount of risk involved in living our daily lives. So then you say, well, why are we even going to discuss it then? Why are we even going to talk about it if there's nothing we can do to eradicate it? We can't eradicate it, but we can minimize it. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about minimizing risks. Now, I want you to think about the game Russian roulette, and you know how that goes. Uh, You have a revolver. It has uh, six a uh, cylinder with six slots in it to put the bullets in. You put one bullet in, you spin the cylinder around, and then you don't know where that bullet is. If the bullet's in one particular place, when you pull back the hammer and fire, it'll go off. The other five places, it won't go off because the bullet's not in the right place. Did you ever notice in movies that usually the people who are involved in the Russian roulette game aren't doing it voluntarily because, I mean, who wants to even have a one in six chance of being shot? So when we're talking about minimizing risk, we're talking about two different things. Number one, we don't want to increase any risks. We don't want to add risk to our life. We have life that presents itself with a certain amount of risk. We don't want to increase that. In other words, we don't want to add a second bullet because when you add a second bullet in a Russian roulette game, you've gone from one out of six to two out of six, which is actually one out of three. If you add a third bullet, now you're looking at three chances out of six that gun's going to go off or one out of every two. 50% of the time, it's going to go off. So you have drastically increased your risk. So a part of our obligation and responsibility is to make sure we don't add any risk to our lives. And then the second part is to decrease or eliminate any known risks that we possibly can. Well, so that, that, that doesn't make sense. If I'm playing Russian roulette and there's three bullets in there, any chance I get to take a bullet out increases the chances of me surviving longer. And that's what we're talking about today. Not adding any more risk and decreasing any known risk that we already have. Now, when we talk about risk as it comes to health and safety, we need to divide it up a little bit into a couple different categories. Uh, There's what we call controllable risk, and then there are some uncontrollable risks. Let's talk about the uncontrollable risk first. Now, there are some risks that you just really don't have any control over. For example, your age. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a good one to talk, right? 
uh, as you get older, you start having a higher risk of developing certain types of physical conditions and diseases and different types of de debilitating uh, illnesses and injuries. It's just all a part of aging. For example, as you get older, your blood vessels start to get a little harder. And if you have high cholesterol, a lot of times that's going to accumulate in the vessel walls, even making the passage of the blood even worse. So your chances for having heart disease has really increased. There's not a whole lot you can do about it. I mean, that's, that's age. I mean, you can do whatever the doctor tells you to do to perhaps lower your cholesterol and, and do some other things, but age is something you just can't really do a whole lot about. And then there's gender. Uh, some of the diseases and medical conditions are more prone to females. Some are more prone to males. You don't have a whole lot of choice of what gender you are, so you've got to just realize that that's an uncontrollable risk. Same thing with race. Uh, there are some races that are really, really predisposed to certain medical conditions. Uh, African Americans, for example, now I work in dialysis and have for 30 years, and uh, we have a large, large African American population. Part of that reason is African Americans have uh, a more prevalent chance of developing high blood pressure, hypertension, and diabetes. And those two risk factors right there are the key risk factors, the main risk factors, in developing kidney failure. And then kidney failure, when that happens, you have to go on dialysis. So uh, race sometimes has a lot to do with it. Uh, occupation. So someone who sits in a cubicle, and I'm not making fun of you at all because there are some risk factors involved in that too. But you would think someone who sits in a cubicle or works in an office, works in a department store, they're not going to have as much risk as someone who perhaps is a high-rise construction worker. You get to thinking about somebody who's walking around on beams and, uh, you know, carrying stuff and maybe 16, 17 stories high. Ugh, I, sometimes I can't even imagine what that would be like. But and there, there's a lot of risk involved. So there are some controllable risks. There are some uncontrollable risks. So obviously, our attention should be focused on a controllable risk because those are the ones that we can, <laughs> right, control. We can control those to a certain extent. And by the way, let, let's go back to the uncontrollable risk, for example. How about that construction worker? Now, does he have an opportunity to minimize risk? Sure he does. He's a construction worker. Does he wear a helmet? Uh, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. If you don't wear a helmet, you're increasing your risk of being injured. There's stuff above you that's falling. You could slip and bump your head on something. Do you wear all the safety equipment that you're supposed to wear? Do you have uh, uh, steel-toed boots on, for example? Do you wear gloves? Do you wear goggles if you have to weld something? You see, so even though the occupation itself is a higher risk, there are still certain things that you can do to make sure that you're minimizing the risk, even in that uncontrollable situation. So you have an uncontrollable risk, but you're controlling it to the best of your ability, 
and that means you're reducing some of your risk. All right, so there's controllable risk, there's uncontrollable risk. Now, some of the controllable risks, let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, okay, for example, obesity and being overweight, that's a controllable risk. <laughs> some of us don't control it very well, but it is a controllable risk. It's something that we are able to change. Okay, so that, that, that's actually a really good definition of a controllable risk is just simply a risk that we are able to either make better or make worse or, or depending on our lifestyle. So when we're talking about that, we're talking, knowing the fact that being overweight is a risk factor, that ought to be something that we're working on to lower. All right. And then think about uh, poor eating habits. And, and you don't have to do a whole lot of driving around at lunchtime or supper time and go past these fast food restaurants to realize that there's a whole lot of us that don't eat like we should. I mean, I don't think they're pulling into those drive throughs to get green leafy vegetables, do you? We don't eat like we should. We have poor eating habits. A lot of us have become pretty sedentary in our lifestyle. Used to be active all the time, moving around, going outside, doing things. Even our children nowadays, uh, they'd rather spend time in the house playing video games. And they're not as active as they used to be. And if you'd read the statistics on childhood obesity, it would floor you. So what I'm trying to say is we just have really got to the place where we, we've got to get to the place where we see what these risks are and we do everything we can to minimize them. Think about poor driving habits. Oh, I think about that every day. I drive through downtown Richmond every day and, uh, you know, to go to work. And it's like, oh my goodness, people just swerving in and out, making poor decisions on uh, uh, quick lane changes, slamming their brakes on. I mean, it's, it's horrible. People have terrible driving habits. And then you see them driving down to the road doing all kinds of things. I've seen them put makeup on. I've seen them read newspapers. I've seen them eating. I'm not just talking about grabbing a potato chip. I'm talking about something that you almost need two hands to hold. Uh, you see so many crazy things happen when, when they drive. They're just poor driving habits. They don't yield. They don't use their turn signals. See, these, these poor driving habits are increasing the risk of you being involved in an accident. Now, you may think you can answer a text, and you may think that you can uh, look at an email or look up a phone number or uh, do something in the back seat, turn around really quickly. But the truth of the matter is, every time you do things like that, you're just simply increasing your risk. Unsafe practices and activities. Oh, you know, we don't think about the risks that we had every time we do things. You know, you go out and you weed eat and you don't have any protective goggles on and, and you don't think a thing about it. You've done it for years and years and years, never had any problems. It only takes one stone to come up and hit you in the eye to where you'll just be wearing a patch the rest of your life. And, and, it, and it has happened and it does happen. I mean, it's just a fact of life that people are always conscious of how they are adding risk to their life. And that's the purpose of this podcast. And, and, and we're just getting into a few details now. We'll get into much deeper details later, but I'm just trying to show you what, how we think. And you're going to, you're going to hear some stats in a second that are going to just floor you when it talks about that. We're talking about stress. You know, people, th this is a big one because people don't really think too much about it. They, they have a stressful job. 
They're working to make ends meet, trying to put a little bit away for retirement, trying to make sure they show their family a good vacation. I mean, they're, they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing. But sometimes life gets stressful. A lot of times life gets stressful. Then we got COVID on top of that. Then we've got the economy on top of that. We've got so many things that are going on around us that can cause stress. And if you don't have some way to relieve stress, it becomes a major risk factor. I challenge you to Google or go to another search engine and look up the risk factors for heart disease. And again, we're going to be going over all these things individually in later podcasts. But I, I just challenge you to do that. And you're going to find in there the word stress because it is a major risk factors. It, it releases different hormones in your body, causing your body to function in different ways and parameters and causes a lot of stress on vessels and in your brain. And it, and it can be very damaging. So you've got to find some way to reduce that stress. So when we're talking about known stress factors and, and the ones that we can control, minimizing risk means simply doing everything we can to reduce those. And let me say this, it's not always a right away, let's do it all at one time process. Sometimes you've got to start slow. You've got to think, all right, here's my risk factors. Here's the things that I know I can control to improve my health and decrease my chances of getting in an accident. And I am going to start working on these. And that will be one of the biggest head starts that you can get and will be really helpful in getting you on your way to minimizing risk and increasing the chances that you're going to live a long, healthy life. Now, let's let's go back a little bit. We talked about controllable risk, right? We talked about how well you can control these risks and the fact that if we know we have them and we know there are risks and it's like adding a bullet to the gun, we ought to be doing everything we can to make sure that we're reducing that, right? So as a nation, as average human beings here in America, how are we doing with that? Well, truthfully, not so well. Do you realize that the CDC says that 33.3% of the American population is overweight, 33%. They use the BMI index, and you know how that goes. If you're within a certain BMI level, we're going to cover all that too again. When you look at the BMI levels, and you'll see where you fall according to your height and weight, that will determine your BMI and what category you fall into, whether you're normal, whether you're overweight, whether you're obese, or whether you're severely obese. And you can actually go the other way, too, and be malnourished. So 33.3% of Americans are obese, or excuse me, overweight. You say, well, that's not so bad. (laughs) Wait a minute. Let me finish. 42.9%. 42.9% of the American population are obese. 42.9. That means that 42.9 plus 33.3%. You add that up and you're getting up near 78% of the people in America are either obese or they are overweight. Let me just add one more. Can I add one more? You don't mind? One more. 9% of the American population is severely obese. Add that on. Now you're up in the 80s. 
folks, we have a problem. It is, I mean, if you read any type of health magazines or do any kind of health searching on the internet about obesity, you're going to find out they have basically declared this an epidemic. I mean, it is just something that has hit America and I mean, all over the world, really. But it's something that is affecting so many people. And it is such a big risk factor in so many different things. Not just heart disease, not just diabetes. You got to look at things like stroke, muscular skeletal conditions, you know, just tons of things that can result from being overweight and obese and severely obese. Not only that, the WHO, the World Health Organization, in June 22 said that there are still 1.2 million people dying each year in automobile accidents. 1.2 million people die in automobile accidents. Say, well, it won't happen to me. I'm very careful. Uh, when I do text, I just look down real quick and look back. And uh, when I reach for something in the back seat or try to open my briefcase, try to answer an email, or, uh, uh, you know, when I've drunk a little bit, and I'm not really super intoxicated. I can drink, drive home. I don't have to worry about that. Uh, you know, you, you think about that and then you say, so it won't happen to me. I will guarantee you that out of that 1.2 million people, a lot of them have said the exact same thing. I am going to give you an illustration in a few weeks about texting and driving. It's going to really make you think. I mean, it will just, it would make me drop my phone in a hurry. I'll tell you, when I first read that, it was like, whoa. And, and, and you know, I actually did the math on it, and I want you to see the math. And uh, you'll be astounded as well, and I hope it'll keep your hands off your phone while you're driving. But 1.2 million people die in automobile accidents. It, Yale says that there are 37,000 people die each year because of alcohol-related liver disease. 37,000 people. Can you imagine that? I mean, we're not just talking about, we're just talking about 37,000 people that have liver disease that was strictly called by, caused by alcohol. I mean, there's a ton of other people that have liver issues, and we're not talking about that because some of those weren't controllable, right? But excess of alcohol is something that we can control. And if it's increasing your risk of dying of liver disease, folks, that place needs a little attention. You see what I'm saying? You say, well, you know, there's just so many of these uh, people that are drunken in the gutters and homeless. And oh, those aren't making up all those 37,000 people that die from liver disease due to alcohol. We're talking about top executives. We're talking about people that have been very successful in business. We're talking about entrepreneurs. We're talking about people who have everything, but they added alcohol to their lifestyle and they actually start getting to the place where they can consume more and more and it doesn't bother them and they think they're doing okay, but inside it's destroying their liver. Something to think about, isn't it? And I, I'm just hoping you get this general basis on this first session of how important it is to think about risk and how important it is to discover the different ways that you can reduce your known risk. It is going to help you in the long run as you try to live a long and healthy life.
guess what? I got another stat for you. No matter what they've seen, no matter what they've heard, no matter how many warnings are on the little packages, 30.8 million Americans still smoke. 30.8 million Americans. Now, you know, I don't smoke, obviously. And I know it's hard to quit smoking. But I, I try to wrap my mind around the fact that you're getting something out of a package that says right on the package that this product can cause cancer and lung disease. And we watch commercials on TV infomercials where someone's holding a, a speaking device to their throat and, you know, say, I smoke a pack a day for 40 years and look what it did to me. Now, if I was a smoker and saw that and thought about that might be me down the road just a little ways, I think I would want to reduce that risk. I guess what I'm saying is that and, and next week, you got to get on next week's call because next week's podcast is going to be great. It's, we're going to be diving deeper into our risk evaluation. We're, we're evaluating that risk. We're thinking about that risk. You've heard it. And people have heard it before, and and they've seen it. And in order for them to make a decision, they have to do an evaluation. So they're evaluating the risk. And I'm not sure how most people evaluate risk, but whenever you see the way we're going to do it next week, you're going to be really happy you listen to it. So join in our podcast next week as we talk about that. But the truth of the matter is, if you want to live a long, happy life, and you want to try to have a life that's free from chronic illnesses or diseases that are going to shorten or ruin your lifestyle, and you want to just live out to be an old man or an old woman, enjoying your kids and your grandkids, enjoying sitting with your loved one as you grow old together, if that's the kind of thing that you've had, and by the way, enjoy the fruits of your labor. You work so hard and so many years to be able to retire and enjoy life and then to have that shortened and to have that ruined because of the fact that you weren't willing to reduce risk factors. Folks, I'm saying it's time to take action now. I can talk to you 10 years from now whenever you're going through some of the problems or having some of the diseases or perhaps I can talk to your family at your funeral. And I'm not, I'm not saying that meanly. I'm just saying that that's not the time to talk about it. It's now. You have an opportunity now. I mean, listen, it doesn't matter how wealthy you are. It doesn't matter how successful you are, what kind of title you have. If you don't take care of your health, you're not going to live long enough to enjoy all the things that life has for you ahead. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you next week.